Hi and welcome, I'm Angela and today's video I'm doing on a question. Thank you Rania for the question because it's a beautiful question because it's about romance. Not that other questions are less beautiful. <laughs> but as I was preparing for this question, the question is about how can you heal a relationship with yourself so that you can attract a loving relationship. And I'm putting it in, in the context of a loving romantic relationship. Um, there, there are other loving relationships. If any of you have pets, you, you know what that loving relationship can be like. So this video today, I'm going to look at romantic relationships. If you are more interested in other relationships, like a loving relationship with siblings or your spouse's parents, please put that in the chat, like any specific questions you might have. But let's focus today on how can you heal a relationship with yourself so that you can attract a loving romantic relationship. And if any of you in Australia, you might be watching Married at First Sight. So I wanted to bring up some of the stages of romance that don't really get addressed in that show, but in the conversations I'm having with friends as we watch Married at First Sight, I'm noticing that there's a hole in our culture, an emptiness, a void in our culture of discovering what romance is. And it's not really fulfilled by um, movies or, or books um, on a cultural scale. So that's why the reality show Married at First Sight is really interesting because it's triggering discussions, but a lot of the discussion doesn't go into what romantic love is. It's going into a lot of expectations of what marriage should be or partnership between two people should be. So keep in mind that whenever we come from expectations, we're coming from the mind. <laughs> I might remember that. If you have expectations, they're not really about love. They're about what you think love should be and what you think you should get. Expectations work well for maybe a business relationship, expectation management, you might have heard. But for a love relationship, expectations can be quite harsh and actually a big a lot of BS as we get to see on Married at First Sight that everybody's expectation starts to clash within the first week to two or three weeks of being forced into a couple. So today I'm going to touch on what healing is in, a, in the three stages of romantic love and what, what romantic love provides as an opportunity for healing. You may have heard me say this before, but I don't believe that you have to heal yourself before you have a relationship, a romantic relationship. You can actually have a relationship and discover healing through that relationship. So the three stages of romantic love I'm, I'm sharing today are very useful um, to understand as you're going through romantic relationships because sometimes the relationship as we see on Married at First Sight, is going to trigger a lot of stuff, expectations, hurts, uh, beliefs, um, wild 
crazy things that you made up about your partner and expectations about what they should do or shouldn't do. The three stages I'm sharing today are all going to trigger that stuff, but from a different, for a different reason. And I'll look at those three stages. And if you're in the relationship, you could be moving through these three stages at any time. However, typically the three stages are when you first meet someone. The second stage is when you start thinking about whether you really want to be with this person. And the third stage is jumping in and going for it. And uh, those three stages are also talked about by some other people. I'll do other videos about that, but they talk about it in much different ways to what I'll be sharing. Today I'm going to look at myth, ancient Greek myths, and also how the symbols of those myths are infused into some of the tarot traditions. But these three stages are fairly common if you look at many elements of drama and of expression, like in a theatre play, we have a beginning, a middle and an end, a first, second and third act. So they're pretty common in the way that human expression about drama and emotions and sensations, how they express in life. And later on, I'll talk about that in other videos about dance and movement, because movement is inherent to all life. So we're always moving through these stages, like a chrysalis going into another form. You go through cycles of movement. And romantic love is just like any other force of nature. So those three stages are inherent. So one of the things to look at, if you take as a premise that you can be single and heal yourself to attract, or you can be in the relationship to attract more love for a loving relationship rather than conflict as we see in marriage at first sight there's a lot of conflict that immediately flares up in what the organizers of the program call an experiment which I find very interesting language one of the things to be aware of is that as things flare up they're always about evolving and processing you into another stage because we're so used to in romantic love or in family relationships conflict being a part of that and things not working out well in our very DNA as humans we've got a lot of negative feelings about that and I'm laughing because I've watched a lot of people go through romantic stages including myself and we still don't get it we still feel that somehow it shouldn't be that way and we've made a judgment that that's a negative thing rather than seeing it as this evolving chrysalis and different stages of the self coming into love. And so Rania's question about healing the self is actually referring to how the very process of stepping into loving relationship is to heal the self, not that there's anything you have to change, but that you're evolving into a better person, a deeper connection to yourself with the ability to share love or create love or make life or have fun or celebrate somebody else. So loving relationships are a very fertile, creative place and often 
even from the TV shows, reality shows that we have today, there's somehow a very cynical point of view of relationships. So as soon as you ask about healing yourself, just understand you're opening up to what's possible in that love story, which might not always look nice. But let's talk about the first stage. And if we're looking at mythic elements, the myth of Narcissus, which today has a twisted connotation with narcissism, but going back to the original first stage of romantic love, it's where we we look at what is lovable about ourselves. So Narcissus sees his reflection and is hearing the nymph Echo, but doesn't know that Echo is a separate nymph or a separate life force that's in love with him. So Narcissus in the myth is ignorant to love and looking for it. And that's that first stage of romantic love when you're young and you're just exploring or you're excited about meeting someone and you're like, what do they like about me? So that first stage is a big clue about one way to start to heal yourself is to look at why do you want romantic love? And not from an intellectual point of view. Oh, why do you want it? Go into the romance of it or the you don't share it with anyone else. So no one's going to care how romantic or soppy you are. But what would you love someone to, I'm using the word worship because it is something that we fantasize about, adore, really get into you, honor about you. So narcissism today is a really negative context, but the positive aspect is it's teaching us in the mythic traditions about that desire to have that deep worship of ourselves. And yes, it's egotistical, but the deep des- the desire to have that deep worship of who we are from the myth of Narcissus is pointing to what we're looking for in the beginning stages of romantic love. So if you want to heal that relationship with yourself, whether you're in a relationship or you're single or you're looking for a relationship, start fantasizing. (laughs) And I don't mean sexually fantasizing. I mean, what do you really want someone to adore about you? Because that's a positive way to look at what would you love to share with someone and what would you love someone to start seeing in you. Unfortunately, in the myth of Narcissus, he can't see himself. He's stuck on a reflection, but he doesn't even understand his reflection. And the nymph echoes who is in love with him. He thinks there's an echo of himself. He doesn't even see this love that's around him because he's so stuck on the surface appearance of love. So the first stages of romantic love have a lot of ignorance about them and we sometimes punish ourselves for for having illusions about love. It's a very important stage to really fantasise about what you want to share with someone or you would love them to partake of in you. It's about desire, creativity and spontaneity and that's why we love it and that's why we get so excited and we should never doubt the power of that because that's what leads to people doing things that are from madness or craziness that inspire others or that are spontaneously generating new things in the world all the time, creative works and passion and children and uh, great movements are inspired by desiring something to be worshipped or adored 
in yourself and you would like to share that with someone. The second stage of romantic love is seeing the illusion that that you were unlovable. So often in that first stage, we're looking for someone to love us because we think that we're not lovable. And in the story of Narcissus, he gets stuck in his own reflection. But in the second stage, we start to see that we're not unlovable, that you've been stuck on this superficial layer of love, which sometimes you might fall into a relationship with someone and you think, you really wanted them and you're with them and you think, oh, I don't really want them anymore. And we get to see that in the TV show Married at First Sight. They're stuck with someone in the beginning. They're all excited. By week two, they're like, I don't really want this. I don't want this person. I don't want this marriage. So it's quite funny stage two because you feel a bit shamefaced about making a choice of love. But actually it's really exciting because you're seeing the illusion that actually you were unlovable. So Narcissus, often he gets stuck there because he represents that part of us that gets stuck in thinking we're not lovable, sort of the deep unconscious layer of ourselves. So in stage two, you start to go, I don't know if I really want this person. I am lovable, but do I really want this? Another part of stage two is actually thinking, I do like this person, but what are we going to do? And then if I do love this person, what does that mean for the rest of my life? How does my family fit in, right? So romantic love, that first stage is really important to get us part the, the, the resistance of stage two where we start to doubt love. And so to heal any um, parts of yourself to allow loving relationships to happen naturally in your life, you've got to look at doubt. How does doubt operate and hinder you from moving forward on making choices? If we're looking at the tarot cards, there's a lot of cards in the tarot deck that look at choices. I'm looking at the series in the tarot deck of uh, the suit of cups, which represents love in our lives. And anywhere from about card six of cups, seven of cups, eight of cups, it's all about all of these choices, the choices we've made from the past that didn't work out or that did work out. Maybe you've had a love and you've lost that love and you wish you had that love and you're in a new relationship. Or maybe you had bad experiences in your family or with parents and you think the relationship with that new person now isn't going to perhaps work out because of negative feelings that you've had. So stage two, when you see that you are lovable, you're going to start doubting that this love is possible because of those hurts or because you've had bad experiences. And you also may not feel confident about saying to the person you're attracted to, I want this. I don't like that. So in Married, Married at First Sight, the reality show, we get to see a lot of people get rude and aggressive, selfish. You might call it selfish. Um, but more it's selfish, not that they're expressing themselves, but the way they express themselves. They sort of dump on the person, you don't do this. You did this to me. I don't like it. I feel vulnerable when you do this. There's a lot of you, you, you hurt me <laughs> expressions. Underlying that stage, which can really um, be benefited by healing versus 
putting all your stuff on your partner, which is part of what we do in romantic processes. So it's it's not wrong to do it. It's just not the best way to heal. <laughs> um, that stage when you're starting to doubt the relationship or doubt yourself is to really look at where do you doubt the ability to vocalise and share what you want and have that respected. So often in this stage we fear speaking up. We fear that if we speak up, the loved one will reject me or even worse, they'll realise I am unlovable. Even though we doubt that we're unlovable in the second stage because we've got this affection returning to us, we'll start to think, well, maybe I am unlovable. The doubts actually come back to this deeper, deep fear that underlies phase one anyway and underlies all parts of our existence until we go beyond that and and realise that love is not something that you can quantify in a relationship. It's, it's always there. It's just your choices in the relationship that allow that love to expand. So the second stage is really seeing what charges you have about speaking up. And can you speak up respectfully to another person rather than making them the victim of your feeling that if you speak up, something bad's going to happen? So healing is all about looking at the charge you might have in the way you speak up when you want when when you speak up what you want. I had a great example today. If I get anxiety, I start to become I spell it out because I don't like to say the word, but B-I-T, whatever. So that side comes out and then I see that and I just go, okay. But I tell my partner that that's why I'm feeling that way. And we've already got our boundaries set up that when I feel that way, he knows how to respond and he's very respectful in honouring that. So that's that stage of the tarot, the six, the seven and eight of cups, is really interesting about choices and how you respond to them when you have a choice are you able to state it or do you sort of sabotage and do manipulative behavior to try and get what you want so the third stage which is represented a lot in the nine and ten of cups in is is about commitment you've you've gone through the doubt you, and we see this in marriage at first sight, which they actually tried to truncate and push into a week, to two weeks to get people, well, they do it by forcing people to commit and then see how everything falls apart and if they can work through to commitment. And it's really fast-tracking a lot of what the ancient myths were allowing us to see over time. So the nine and ten of cups in the tarot about heart fulfilment and wish fulfillment you've had your desire at the beginning of the romance but by the nine and ten of cups you started to see fulfillment of your desire you're starting to get awareness about what you need but what's not really important what you think you need that's usually around the first to the third of cups in the tarot what we think the relationship is supposed to provide then from the fourth of cups to the fifth, sixth, we're starting to see the illusions around it. That's that second stage. And then by the seven, eight and six of cups, we're looking at choices 
how we can be more creative. So that third stage of commitment, what happens is in romantic love, we might have judgments around commitment. And we tend to start sabotaging, as you can see in Married at First Sight, very quickly around from our expectations of what commitment should be. And you might walk into a new romance and destroy that romance because you're too quickly expecting that relationship to force into some idea of what commitment should be. Whereas when we culturally have values around commitment, that helps people make decisions. So normally, outside of the marriage at first sight experiment where they're forced to be married, normally people are raised to find a partner, some are through arranged marriage or partnership, and others are through dating and the chaos <laughs> online dating and just dating. But there's a courtship phase in the dating and some sort of step to a next level of commitment. So marriage at first sight has a commitment at the beginning. And what you see in is stage three being thrown at these people. So a lot of their stuff is forced to come up quickly. It is an experiment. I don't agree with putting people in the experiment like that. But as a social education of our cultural attitudes, it's very important. It's just that um, a bit more humanity about how we respond to the contestants might help. Um, we're seeing where everybody's coming from because love is not an easy place for people to expose themselves on telly like that, even though some of it is made up for TV. So this third stage of commitment can trigger a lot of beliefs around your choices not working out. <laughs> so if you've had relationships not work out for you, it's really important to heal any beliefs that you have about people not being there for you. If you've gone from a relationship to relationship and you're single, you may have certain hurts around commitment not working out or the choices you've made about being choosing the wrong person, which I don't think there ever, ever is the wrong person because in your journey to loving yourself, that person is teaching you something. It may not be a great lesson. It might not be a kind lesson. It might be a hurtful lesson. But there's something important there. The third stage of romantic love where you um, really dive into your fears around making a choice is going to make you evolve into that. That's like the butterfly coming out of the chrysalis. Now you're going to say, I'm choosing this. And that's why we step into romantic love a lot, to make our own choices. So many things in our life, our job, what school you go to, you, you're not in control of those choices, even the food you eat. But who you love, we have an illusion that we're somehow in control. And committing to someone, it gives us a real sense of choice and, and sticking to that choice. It gives us a sense of being able to make something blossom. And that's a really important place for us to feel powerful or able to choose, not to have power over another but to be able to create love and we are animals that need to create loving relationships so to heal in yourself any choices that have led to situations that you've 
not being that happy about. If you want to attract loving relationships and a committed one or one that you're choosing to commit to, not that you just commit to because someone likes you, like narcissist kind of love, so you stick around because they like you and you don't even know why you're choosing that relationship. If you want to attract commitment, look at any feelings, judgments, hurts you might have about choices that you've made in the past. And these can be choices around a subject at school, you know. I mean, any choices that you made that you feel like, oh, I wish I never did that, and you've judged yourself for making stupid choices or being stupid at all. Because And to also know that if that commitment should not work out, how you walk away from it or how you say, that's okay, I still know I am lovable and that this person is deserving of love. So those are the three stages of love I've shared with you as I'm coming back to the live streams that I usually teach in three points because that's what my brain can handle. <laughs> As to, you've seen today, I've referred to the tarot. If you're interested in how the tarot is connected to love, I didn't refer to all the mythic elements either. Um, put that in the chat. I've used the tarot a lot, especially the Greek mythic tarot, to look at how as civilization over time we've looked at love, we've looked at our ability to create, we've looked at our choices in life. Um, Tarot is a wonderful tool. And for me, it's more not the predictive element, but the mythic element of humanity and our choices and our choosing to be here on Earth <laughs> at all. <laughs> and if you have questions around that, put that in the chat. And thank you for joining. Any other questions on relationships and healing, just put this in, put those in the chat. I'll be also launching the new Energy Body channel, which will be coming um, once I have um, more information about what to put on the channel. It's a sister channel to this, and it looks at more about the energy body, our aura, our physical body, and that relationship to self. Wow.